Amen. We are in week 14, 1 4, 14 of our study in the book of Mark. It's called Dirt Roads. And we're, um, we have learned a lot about Jesus in these first 14 sermons. We've learned a lot about the Pharisees in these first 14 sermons. We've learned some about the disciples and followers of Jesus in these first 14 sermons. Um, the Lord is teaching me continually through these sermons in the book of Mark. Today's sermon is simply titled, Jesus, the Lord of Nature. Jesus, the Lord of Nature. We're in Mark chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Uh, if you don't have your Bible today, that's completely fine. If you have an app on your phone, it's a Bible app, can, feel free to turn to Mark 4. If, if not, you can follow on the screen here this morning. Mark chapter 4, we're going to begin in verse 35. And on the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And the other little boats, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher... Do you not care that we are perishing? And then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, Who can, who can this be that the, even the wind and the sea obey him who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him let's begin our dive into this text this morning by turning over to the book of psalms if you will take your bibles and turn to psalm and the 107th psalm psalm 107 Beginning in verse 23, Psalm 107, 23 says, Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble and he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So he guides them to, the, to their desired haven. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people, man, and praise him in the company of the elders. You ever, you ever heard, mm, you ever heard a preacher say, oh yeah, you can praise, you can worship, you can be uh, emotional about Jesus, but just make sure you do it in private. You know, just make sure you do that in your, in your closet. Well, Psalm 107 says, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. That has nothing to do with my sermon today, but that's the word of the Lord. Amen. 
This psalm, obviously the beginning part of this text today, points to the inescapable truth, and that is this. Jesus is the God of Psalm 107. He is the God who calms the storm so that its waves are still. We'll be back over in Mark. This miracle that Jesus performs is the first in a string of miracles that we will cover in the following chapter, Mark, the end of Mark 4, and then we'll begin next week in Mark 5. We will see his power over the demons. We'll see his power over sickness. We'll even see his power over death, his lordship over those things. But today, in this text, in this story, we see Jesus' dynamic and obvious power and lordship over nature. And remember, much of Jesus' earthly ministry was to display his deity. That word deity means the fact that Jesus was indeed God. He was God incarnate, wrapped in flesh. And so much of Jesus' ministry was obviously preaching the truth, but it was also displaying who he was and who he claimed to be as the Son of God. He displays in this instance that the same God who commanded the Red Sea uh, to part and immediately dried the ground for the children of Israel, that same God was the same man, Jesus, who commanded the wind and the seas to be still. Jesus displays his lordship and power over nature to further drive home the truth that he was creator God. As we observe his power over over nature this morning, we're going to also observe some incredible truths that can speak directly to our lives today. Heavenly Father, speak through your word. It will not return void this morning. Have your way in our service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Probably uh, one of the most underrated statements in this text from Mark chapter 4 is the very first four words, on the same day. On the same day. Uh, that had been a, quite a day for Jesus. He had been falsely accused by the Pharisees that he was actually Beelzebub, that he was actually demonic, at a demonic power. His family had come, you remember that? His family had come and said, Jesus, we're going to take you back to Nazareth because you've gone crazy. Or, or it's not safe for you here. This is all on the same day. He then taught the multitude the four parables that we studied in this chapter. Remember the parable of the sower? And the other parables that we spoke of. It was a long day. And finally, as evening approached, Jesus decides it's time to move to the other side by boat. Just because I like this stuff. Early on, I believe it was in chapter 3, you remember Jesus prepared that? Hey, get the boats ready in case the crowd comes. We can step into the boat to leave. I just like that. Like, hey, Jesus was prepared. And then he actually followed through and used what he prepared for. But Jesus decides it's time to move to the other side, across the waters, by boat. And what happens on that boat ride, I don't know how long the boat ride lasted. I don't know the distance that it took. The Bible doesn't tell us. It was a pretty incredible boat ride. They got more than what they paid for and what they bargained for. Let's see this morning, first of all, Jesus, the sovereign of the storm. Jesus, the sovereign of the storm. Verse 35, chapter 4, on the same day when evening had come, He said to them, let us cross over to the other side. 
he said to them, it was his idea. Now, when they had left the multitude, he took, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. By the way, Mark is the only one, only gospel that says there were other little boats. I'm not sure if that matters. They're like little jet skis, all right? There were little jet skis going along with him. But one thing I want us to understand this morning is that getting into the boat and crossing to the other side was Jesus's idea. Okay, this was Jesus's idea. This was his plan. But Jesus would only lead us into calm, cool, crystal clear, easy waters, right? We know this, an elementary understanding of who God is and his sovereignty. I think we understand that no matter what comes in our lives, whether they be storms or whether they be still, we know this, that God either orchestrated it or God allowed it. God either orchestrated it or God allowed it. I can't believe all the crazy things and just the, I cannot imagine what happened to Job in the Old Testament Oh my goodness, how in the world would God allow that to happen? And I would say, God didn't allow that to happen to Job. It was God's idea. Have you considered my servant Job? That's a hard truth to hear this morning. But as we learn the character of God, as we lean into who God is, we know that God often leads us Listen this morning into situations where we are forced to fully rely on him. God will never give you more than you can handle. Baloney. God will often give you more than you can handle. For it is only in the times where where it's more than you can handle that you have to fully cast your cares on him for he cares for you. Jesus was sovereign over the storms this morning. And may I say this, when the, while the storms of life are raging in your life, just remember who allowed the storm to happen in the first place. Remember the God whose voice divided the water and the atmosphere at creation? That's the one who is sovereign over your storm this morning. You remember the God who parted the Red Sea and made it dry land for the children of Israel and then as the enemy came to cross, he... he put the Red Sea back together and and gave victory to his his people. You remember that God, that same God is sovereign over the storms in your life. You remember the God when the children of Israel were in the wilderness and they were wandering and they needed water. You remember that God that brought water from a rock? You remember the God that brought water from a rock even when Moses disobeyed him? Hey, that's the God who's sovereign over the waters. That's the God this morning who's sovereign in your storm. You say, Josh, what does the word sovereign mean? Sovereign means that he has all power over. I'm not going to get into a theological technicality this morning. I don't believe sovereignty means that God is a puppet master and that we're just puppets. And like wherever God, whatever, we don't have any, you know, we don't have anything. We're just, I don't believe, I believe that it means that God has all power. He's all knowing He can orchestrate, does orchestrate, can step in, does step in whenever he wants to, knows everything, has a plan from eternity past to eternity future. But God is sovereign this morning. God has full power over 
over this body of water. He has full power or sovereignty over the winds and over the waves. And may I say this morning, maybe something you can write down. You will never experience anything in your life that God does not possess full power over. Listen this morning. Storms of life are hitting you. There's battles in your life. You will never experience anything in your life that God does not possess full power over. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that? Because I think we all kind of casually believe that. But those of you that are going through storms, or you've been through storms, or God forbid those who has a storm awaiting them in the future that they don't even know about yet, will, can we leave here today fully grasping and understanding that you will never experience anything in your life that God does not possess full power over. He is in charge of your health. He is in charge of your well-being. He's in charge of your family. He's in charge of your relationships. He's in charge of your job. He's in charge of that next move. He's in complete control this morning. So when the storms of life are raging, when the battle is raging, know that the sovereign Lord of nature... The sovereign Lord of the storm is in complete control. He knows, he hears, he cares. How many of you would be so bold this morning to say, Josh, whether really big or maybe it's small, but I'd be willing to say by my lifted hand this morning, hey, this, there, there's something in my life, there's a storm, there's a battle. Anybody be willing to, this morning to testify? May I say this this morning? He knows he cares. He loves. And listen, those disciples were out there. They were on that water. They were in that boat. And that storm hit. That storm hit. But the sovereign Lord of nature, Jesus Christ, he was on that boat. He was on that boat. Look at number two this morning. Jesus, the commander of the calm. Jesus... The commander of the calm. We've seen him as the sovereign of the storm. But he's the commander of the calm. It's one thing, church family, to mentally process and accept the fact that Jesus possesses power over any and every circumstance that we could face. We can intellectually process that. And if you're a person of faith this morning, you can accept that in your mind. But it's another thing to actually experience Jesus, step into the situation and do something about it. It's one thing to go, I know God can. It's another thing to say, I've experienced that he has. Or he currently is. Look at our text, back in the, in the, in the word this morning. Look at verse 38. But he was in the stern. Jesus was in the stern Asleep on a pillow, my kind of guy. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And just an incredible, an incredible miracle performed by Jesus here. Powerful words spoken, just three of them. Peace, be still. May I this morning 
take this text and this portion of our text and may I practically apply some things very quickly. I usually do this at the end. Can I practically apply some things from this truth that Jesus commanded the storm to be calm? Some practical applications here in the middle of our sermon. First of all, our emergencies are not emergencies to God. Our emergencies are not emergencies to God. Understandably, the disciples were in full panic mode. The wind was pushing the water, and it said the boat was taking water. Man, I don't know about you. I'd be in full panic mode. I'd be freaking out. I would be like, has anybody seen Jesus? Because I saw what he did back over there, and I mean, certainly he can take care of us. Has anybody seen him? And they found Jesus. Guess what he was? Asleep. He was taking a nap. He was taking that good old Sunday afternoon nap. How many of you have a Sunday afternoon nap? Raise your hand. All true believers in Jesus have a good Sunday afternoon nap. Jesus was asleep, much like some of you right now in the preaching service. I'm just kidding. But Jesus was asleep. He was asleep. But take heart this morning. Nothing ever puts Jesus in emergency mode. Nothing. Nothing puts Jesus in emergency mode. In fact, his friend Lazarus was dead. And Mary and Martha say, Jesus, you need to come. Jesus is not in emergency mode. He showed up four days late to the party. Wasn't a party. Four days late to the funeral. And look how that turned out. Hey, listen, take heart this morning, follower of Jesus. Your emergencies are not his emergency. Understand it. It's part of his power. It's part of his knowledge. It's part of his providence. It's part of his sovereignty this morning. Second thing practically that I want us to understand about Jesus taking the calm, uh, the storm and calming it. God can handle your questions. God can handle your questions. What did the, so remember, disciples are on the boat. Storm comes up. Where is Jesus? He's asleep. Wake him up. And then what do they say? Hey, don't you even care? We're about to die. Hey, don't you even care? Hey, look. You ever talk to God that way? You can be honest. Let me ask it a little bit better. You ever thought about talking to God that way? Hey, God, do you even know? Hey, God, it's me down here. It's like, honey, I shrunk the kids. God, it's me down here. Do you have any idea what I'm going through? Don't you know I'm about to die? And listen, and for some of us, that rubs us the wrong way. Why would someone speak to God that way? Why would someone speak to Jesus that way? I'm here to tell you this morning that God can handle your questions. God can handle your doubts. The book of Habakkuk. We did a three-week study in the book of Habakkuk. God can handle Habakkuk. He can handle your doubts. He can handle when you don't know, when you can't see. He can handle your questions this morning. Do you even care, Jesus? The hymn writer would say, 
Oh, yes, he cares. I'm not singing this for you this morning. I know he cares. His heart is touched with our grief. When the days are weary and the long nights dreary, I know my Savior, he cares. God can handle your questions. He cares. You say, I don't know why God would let that happen in my life. Don't don't say that to me. Take it to him. He can handle your questions. Sometimes I can't. I don't know what to say. I don't know why God would do that. I'm not God. He can handle your questions. He can handle your doubts. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I'm all in. But help the 50% of me that might not be. Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm about to dive off the diving board into the deep end. But God, make sure the float is right there. So our emergencies are not emergencies to God. God can handle your questions. This is what this, this portion of the text teaches us. This is a tough one. God does not owe us peace in the storm. Mm. Nowhere in Scripture, and I'm not going to stay here long because I don't want to focus on my sermon on this. Nowhere in Scripture are we promised that every storm will be calmed exactly the same way we think it ought to be. In the same time that we think it ought to be calmed. Nowhere in Scripture. Nowhere in Scripture are we saying, God, I have a bill due on Wednesday and I need $750 to pay that bill. Nowhere in Scripture is God required to give you $750 by Wednesday. I'm not, mean, I'm not here today to be negative. I'm here today to bring some practical application to, I believe, a truth from God's word. God acts as he wills in his timing. He is in control. We know that all things work together for good, right? But as good is not our standard of good. Good is his standard of good. I'm moving on. Sorry to bring the Debbie Downer right there. God in his great love often brings peace in the storm. Hey, just because God doesn't owe us peace in the storm, how much better is it that he gives it to us? God, you don't owe me this, but God, you really did. That way, the waves were crashing up against my boat. I was taking water and I called out for help and you responded with peace, be still. And God, you came through. And I don't know about you this morning. I've had those times in my lives, my life where I needed God to step in. I needed God to provide something for my family. I need God to work out a detail in my life. I need God to work out a detail with my family or maybe my kids or whatever it was. And I've seen God come through just like I thought he would come through in the exact way I thought he would come through. Just because God doesn't owe that to me, it's pretty incredible that so often he does that for me. He doesn't owe it to me. But man, I do love if I need $750 by Wednesday to pay a bill. I love that so often in some way, God provides $750 by Wednesday. He doesn't have to. He doesn't owe it to us. But I love that he often does. I love that he often does. I love that those disciples were, on the, were in the boat on the sea in the storm. And they said, somebody's got to calm the storm. And Jesus said, hey, give me just a second to wipe the crud out of my eyes. 
<clears throat> give me a little sip of water so that I can make sure the waves hear this. Peace be still, done. Okay, let's, we're good to go. I'm glad that oftentimes God brings peace just like we need it, just like we know, just like we expect. The last practical application, when Jesus, when he doesn't calm the storm, he calms you as you walk through the storm. I'm not a big Southern gospel fan. Sorry, some of you in here are. Don't get mad at me. See some of y'all give me the stink eye. But there's a Southern gospel song that says this, and I love this truth. Sometimes he calms the storm. Okay, but other times he calms his child. Listen, sometimes he calms the storm, but other times he lets the storm rage and he calms his child. That's an important truth. This story could just as well been written but those disciples were in that boat and that boat was taking water and the wind was coming and they woke Jesus up and Jesus said, the wind will continue, the waves will continue, the boat will continue taking water, but I'm going to give you calm and peace. And when we get to the other side, you're going to look back and go, I have no idea how we made it through that storm, but we did. But we did. That would have been just as big of a miracle. Sometimes he calms the storm. Sometimes he calms the saint. Sometimes that storm is what God has for you in your life in this po- at this point. I don't like that. I wish every day was sunny in 75. But sometimes we have storms. But I just know of a God who will never leave us nor forsake us. I happen to love it, though, when God shows up and God in his grace and mercy comes into my life, into my heart, and he simply speaks, peace be still to the storms in my life. Peace be still to the battles that I'm facing. And when all of hell is rising up against me, Jesus whispers, peace be still. Jesus whispers peace. Jesus, the prince of peace, whispers peace. Lastly, and we're done, the disciples, all fear and no faith. All fear and no faith. Look at, verse, look at verse 40. Look in the text. But he said to them, Jesus said to his disciples, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. And said to one another, Who can this be? That even the wind and the sea obey him. Why are you so fearful? 
How is it that you have no faith? And this word fearful, I was like, I'm going to be really smart. I'm going to look that word up and like the original meaning of what that word really was supposed to mean. It probably wasn't really supposed to be translated fearful. Guess what it means? Fearful. Scared. Afraid. It literally means that. Why are you afraid? Picture it. You're on a boat. Jesus is asleep. This incredible storm hits. Of course I'm going to be afraid. I'm a human. I'm not really big on being out in the middle of the water, moving from side to side, and not knowing what my next step forward is. But Jesus is obviously expecting more from his closest disciples. He's expecting more than fear. How is it those who have seen me perform miracle after miracle after miracle, how is it that you have no faith? How is it those who have seen the blind open their eyes? How is it that you have no faith? How is it disciples that have seen the lame man rise up and walk? How is it that you have no faith? Hey, disciple, how is it that you that seen the possessed man have a demon uh, removed from his body and him walking upright and in his right mind? How can you have no faith? Hey, how can you disciples who have seen Jesus run circles around the Pharisees and run circles around the Pharisees, how can you not have faith in this moment? You know who I am, Jesus says. How do you respond Without faith, but with fear. How is it that you are choosing to live in fear? And may I say this morning that you and I, were all on a journey. In our life, there's going to be some valleys. There's going to be some hills that we have to face. Uh, there, there's going to be some potholes in the road. There's going to be some ditches. There's going to be some detours. There's going to be some roadblocks. There's going to be some pandemics. There's going to be some storms. There's going to be some battles. There's going to be all hell will rise up against us. And let me say this morning that we have a choice to make. Are we going to operate in fear or are we going to operate in faith? We have a question to answer. And when, all, when everything around us is going crazy... Are we going to operate in fear or will we trust and operate in faith? I'm not saying that, we're, that we're, we stay ignorant and we do ignorant things. I'm not saying we ignore uh, obvious things that God gives us in our lives to steer us straight during these crazy times that we face. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying what's your underlying feel? Is it fear? Is it faith? Here's a roadblock. Am I afraid or do I have faith? Here's a detour. Am I afraid or do I have faith? What does the Bible say? Psalm, the book of Psalms. Psalms is about to hook it up. Here we go. Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 23. You heard of that one? Verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Say it with me. I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Psalm 27 verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 46. The first three verses. Ooh, God is our refuge and strength. 
a very present help in trouble. Amen. Verse 2, Therefore we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. We will not fear. The disciples were given a choice. Operate in faith, operate in fear. And Jesus says, why are you operating in fear? Why are you operating in fear? And the writers of the Psalms would say, the Lord delivered me from all my fears. I will will fear no evil. Whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? We will not fear. This morning, I don't know what battle or storm or issue you're facing. I don't know where where your boat is this morning. I don't know how high the waters are rising. I don't know how great the wind is this morning. But we have a choice to make. We can live in fear or we can live in faith in the Lord of, the, of nature. The one who is sovereign over the storm. The one who calms the storm. If we want to be real spiritually, we can live in fear, flesh, or we can live in faith, spirit. We can live in fear in the flesh. Or we can live in faith in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Hey, walk in faith and you won't live in fear. This morning, I will walk by Fear or faith? Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.